Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today, along with Kevin Farrell, our producer. In the studio today, our old buddy Bill Ellison. Hello, Billy. Hello, Malcolm. Happy to be here. Look, we are in a place that is across the hall from from your other home, the Bluegrass Cabin, where That's you right. host grass grassroots for how many years? Well, let's see, 27, May was 27, uh, next May in 2020 will be 28 years. I started in May of 92. But the show was on prior to your becoming the host, That's right. right. The show began, uh, I guess, uh, the very, from the get-go with MPB, or PRM at the time, uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting Radio. It was one of the original shows, from what I understand. Uh, I'm looking over to Kevin to get confirmation (laughs) on that, because Kevin is one of the few that were here, or one of the only ones that was here. Uh, back in those early, early days of MPB Think Radio. But, yeah, it was uh, the show was hosted by Mike Morgan for, yeah, right. from from the beginning until 92. So it was about, he, Mike, I guess, eight, ten years that he was the host. And the show won a Governor's Award, Arts Award, in what year? I believe 2010. 2010, yeah. yeah. And, and that uh, was quite an honor. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, I was able to find Mike Morgan uh, back then. I knew when... When we learned that uh, Grassroots was going to get a governor's award, I thought that it was only fitting that Mike be a part of it since he was the very first host and did so much to uh, establish the show. He uh, he uh, created the record collection, the LP collection, and, and really just did a wonderful job with the show. And uh, I thought it was only fitting that he be a part of it. So he was able to come back and was at the award ceremony that day. And uh, I was able to recognize him and that made me feel pretty good. Well, let's stay on grassroots a minute, I, uh, and then we'll get on to your many other achievements and <laughs> involvements. But uh, tell our listeners uh, about how grassroots is put together. It's not a live show. It's a recorded show, just like the Arts Hour is. And you, you do it during the week. And just explain to our listeners, like, when, they're, when they tune in on Saturday nights. That's right. Uh, you've been working on this all week, right? That's right. That's right. And and over the years, twenty seven years is a long time. It's it's my my habits have kind of changed now. Uh, over the years, I've done it done the show live uh, a good many times on Saturday nights just to just to be able to connect with the listeners and to kind of for for my own uh, personal enjoyment get that rush and adrenaline of uh, live radio, you know. I've yeah. done so it you live. do it live sometimes? Occasionally. I haven't in a long time. It's gotten, mm-hmm. since we've gotten a little more automated on the weekends, it's gotten a little more logistically difficult to do that. But over the years, I've done it live. But back to your point, yeah, I record the show throughout the week, and it, it, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, uh, it's a labor of love, and I do it in my spare time. Usually I do it, uh, I kind of evolved to mostly Wednesday and Thursday evenings when I put it together. 
together. But uh, I've, uh, I plan it out. It depends on uh, 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 what's going on at the time. If there's, for instance, when Ralph Stanley passed away, I learned that uh, right about the time I was recording the show. So I, uh, I had to kind of postpone the recording and do a little research, you know, to put together a right. Ralph Stanley tribute show. And, uh, and uh, But most of the time I kind of wing it by the seat of my pants because I've done it so long I kind of can feel, you know, what needs to flow next and what I'm going to do. Now, the Bluegrass Cabin, where you record this show, I think it's the only show that has its own exclusive studio, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. <laughs> has moved. When I first started coming out here to MPB Think Radio and doing the Arts Hour, you were across the way here, and now you've moved across the hall. That's right. We were in what uh, has been Studio B here at MPB for many, many years, uh, from probably 92 up until two or three years ago, uh, we were in Studio B. Now, prior to that, we were in a completely separate location over on Dunbarton Street, uh, and then I think in 92, we moved over here to the MPB facility at uh, uh, Ridgewood and Lakeland. But we've been in Studio B all those years, and that was home forever. Then when we moved across the hall there to the studio you're talking about that the good folks here at MPB were really it was quite an honor they uh, had a little ceremony and put a little gold sign on the door that said Bill Ellison's Bluegrass Cabin and I was I was humbled and honored that they did that and it's that's so that's home now and I'm wondering uh, Felder's probably wondering when he's getting his own studio (laughs) we put Felder out in the garden I think He's got an outdoor studio. Yeah. But uh, the cool thing about the new studio is that uh, I'm self-contained now. Uh, all of my record albums, which are a pretty big collection, yeah. and all of the CDs that I that I use for the show are all in one room now. For many, many years, I'd have to get up and run across the hall and grab a CD or grab a record. But it's uh, pretty convenient now. So is all the music that you play either on a CD or uh, or an LP. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Unless uh, occasionally, you know, we do. Over the years, we've done some uh, uh, on-site live recordings for some live bluegrass events or other music events, and uh, uh, we've recorded on a field recorder, brought it in, and 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 then uh, dumped it into the into the computer. How we do now, you know, and and uh, edited it. But yeah, it's all either uh, thirty-three and a third LPs <laughs> or CDs. Yeah. So you. Got your start in the radio business when, and was it JDX? No, it was uh, WJXN in Jackson, the Country Colonel, in the summer of 1973. Uh, it was after my freshman year of college. I had actually dabbled a little bit with the campus radio station um, in college, but very little. Where was and this? That was at Ole Miss, uh, WCBH, the campus station oh, okay. at the time. Uh, but I mean, that was minimal. That summer, I, I just uh, was uh, making the rounds to radio stations, just thinking uh, quite possibly somebody would let me get my foot in the door and maybe take out the trash or something. And I stopped in at WJXN at the time. This was uh, there were two little AM country stations in Jackson at the time. JQ, I'm at JXN, the Colonel Station, and JQS, the Country Giant, and. Uh, I Those were the two AMs. The two AM country stations. Okay. This was oh, before. This was before. Uh, what was the big movie with John Travolta that uh, kind of launched country music into the mainstream? Uh, it was about. Uh, oh, uh, it was about I don't know. Gillies. You know the yeah, big. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I can't think of the name, but anyway, it'll, it'll come, come to, to us. You later. It'll come to us. About 15 minutes yeah, from now. This was when country wasn't, before country was cool, you know. And, right, right. And uh, I got a job that summer at WJXN, and uh, it was a great little station to work at. It had been there since probably the 40s, and it was a lot of fun. And then you went 
to JDX? Yep. Went to, the went Urban to, Cowboy. Urban Cowboy, that's it. Yeah. Kevin yeah. saves the day on that As one. As always. <laughs> but yeah, uh, went, uh, after that, uh, worked in Oxford, then came uh, back to Jackson, worked at JDX and ZZQ for several years, and uh Made the rounds. Uh, GZQ changed to Miss 103. Just a little trivia. I was actually the first voice ever on Miss 103, the big really? country station, the morning they launched the station. Wow. That was kind of funny. Now, you yeah. were a Dawn Buster yep, with Scott on Mateer. That's correct. What years were you That was Dawn from Buster? 85 until about 90. Uh, we had a... a that's for our listeners over 60. That's right. That's right. That was a lot of fun. We had a, that was a, a 94 Ticks was a great contem- CHR contemporary hit radio, which was a fancy name for top 40 at right, the time. Right. Uh, it was a very successful uh, radio station at the time. 85 to 90 was uh, 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 just kind of a golden age. That 80s music was, was really, really good. And we had a successful morning show, had a good run. And all that time, I was also selling advertising. So, when did you start doing that? Started that in '85. Uh-huh. And, and in a way, you're still doing it. In a you, way, I'm still you, doing you're it. You're employed right here at the foundation. That's right, at the Mississippi Public Broadcasting Foundation, trying to uh, uh, trying to raise money for the good projects here. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing. Now, one highlight I remember when you were a Dawn Buster is that you guys went out to Pasadena, California, and rode on a float in the in the Rose Parade. That's right. That's you right. and Scott rode on a road on, on a float with the great Willie Dixon. Yep, Tammy Wynette. And Tammy Wynette. It was crazy. Uh, <laughs> there, uh, a, a local attorney by the name of Pat Frasconia in Jackson. Uh, uh, I believe Pat went to undergrad school at UCLA and uh, was familiar with uh, California and the Rose Parade and so forth. And he decided that Mississippi should have a float in the Rose Parade. Now, you know, the, it's not easy to get a float in the Rose no. Parade. They're pretty uh, picky about who they allow because, you know, the the, the guidelines for having a float, you just can't yeah. throw together a float. It's not like how St. No, it's Patty's not like parade. St. Patty's neighbor. <laughs> Every, you know, it's, it's, they're very strict on how the floats are constructed. They have to be all made out of flowers and seeds and da-da-da-da-da. Right. But Pat was somehow finagled away to get us uh, in the Rose Parade. And he came up with the idea to have four giant heads saluting Mississippi music. B.B. Uh, King, Elvis Presley, Tammy Wynette, and uh, the great opera singer uh, Leontine Price. Leontine Price. And uh, everything was going along smoothly until... Uh, the Elvis estate at the time kind of balked at allowing Elvis's likeness to be used. Right. So Scott Mateer and I were on the Dawn Buster show on 94 Tigs, and we started talking about it that morning, and people started calling the Elvis estate, what's the deal? Why won't you let us use the... And uh, I think they kind of flooded them with calls. So by noon that day, they acquiesced and said, okay, uncle, we'll let you use this likeness. <laughs> Get and these so, people off my yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Pat was uh, w- was uh, appreciative of that uh, that help. And he said, well, why don't we just put you guys on the float? And <laughs> I, we were a little out of place. Nobody knew who we were. But it was quite an experience to to stand on the float and, and, and see that spectacle. Yeah, that was, I believe, 89 or 90, New, uh, New Year's Day. So let's back up in your par- parading career. Now, you, you played uh, a brass instrument in high school. You were a trombonist. Is That's that right. right. That's right. Callaway and, band. You were in the band. And you also were in the Lions All-State that's right. Program. Is Two that years. right? Got to go to Atlantic City one year and Mexico City one year with the Lions All-State Band, which is a 
incredible band music tradition in Mississippi. They win the international competition nearly every year. In fact, they just won again uh, in Italy, I believe is where they went uh, this year. Uh, they just won in 2019. It's incredible. Well, but yeah, I did that and, and uh, then was a music major at Ole Miss for a couple of years until I discovered radio and changed my major and everything went downhill from that. <laughs> when did you uh, transition from trombone to guitar? Uh, when I was, and now piano. Okay, when I was in the Lions band, uh, my senior year, went to Mexico City and I bought a guitar and uh, hauled it back to back home and just started monkeying around with it a little bit. Didn't really start seriously playing until around 1980 and started trying to learn. I, or late 70s, I, I lived in Memphis for a couple of years, worked at WMC up there and mm -hmm. uh, found a really great guitar teacher up there, a guy by the name of Phil Black, who played with the Coon Elder and Brenda Patterson Band. Oh, you remember those yeah, folks? Yeah, I do. They, they had a record on Epic, I believe, but Phil was just an incredibly nice guy and a talented guy. And he kind of got me on the right foot uh, playing guitar. You had a chance encounter at one of those Lions All-State Band gatherings. You met somebody in the music industry that by the name of Mac McAnally? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a good story. Can I do we have time to tell that story? Okay. That was actually not Lions Band. That was a uh, Mississippi High School Band Clinic. Oh, okay. This was in about 72 and uh, you had to audition for this band clinic. And if you got picked, you went to the coast and studied with some really great band directors and and played in some, you know, really good symphonic bands for a couple of days. And I I remember this weird little redheaded guy who's a few years younger than me that played trombone, but I didn't think about him for years and years and years. And then a couple, a couple of years ago, somebody posted on Facebook a roster of that music clinic. And I, and I said, oh, look, trumpets, trumpets, there's my name, you know, and I saw it on there and I looked at it right beside my name. It said Bill Ellison Jackson, or Billy Ellison Jackson, and right beside mine was Mac McAnally, <laughs> Belmont. And I said, that was that little redheaded guy. So, rest of the story is when Mac was kind enough to come uh, here to MPB a few months ago and record a, a, uh, a fundraising show for Robert St. John's uh, Extra Table, Extra Table mm -hmm. uh, charity. Uh, I got to talking to him, and I said, Mac, I know you get tired of people telling you stories, but I have to tell you this. And I told him the story, and I said, I played with you. You just didn't. <laughs> but anyway, he said, you know that? He perked up and said, man, that's band clinic is how I got my guitar, my first Martin guitar. I said, really? He said, my dad, who was, I believe, a school prin principal yeah. at, at Belmont School. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he said his dad told him, if you will try out for this band clinic, on the trombone, and if you make it, I'll give you... He said, I've been saving my money wanting to buy a Martin guitar. He said, if you make it, I'll give you the rest of the money for that Martin guitar. And he said, I did, and he gave me the rest of the money, and that's the guitar he used to record that first really, really successful album that he wow. did. He still got the guitar, too. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today on this Sunday afternoon. I'm also the executive director of your Mississippi Arts Commission. In the studio today, my old buddy Bill Ellison. Billy, welcome back. Thank you, Malcolm. Glad to be here. You wear a lot of hats. Well, I love hats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talked in the first segment a lot about uh, your work with, uh, with being a DJ and, and with grassroots and then we, we sort of were coming into uh, talking about your uh, career there as a DJ. And we touched on the Mississippi float and the Rose Bowl parade. And during the break, Kevin and, 
and 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 us we were talking about whatever became of that float and particularly whatever became of the Elvis head. I think you know a little bit about that. I know a little bit, and so do you. In fact, you you were involved in that. Now, again, this was back in, I believe, 89, the Rose Parade of 89 or 90. I can't, I, I can never remember. It doesn't matter. But anyway, Mississippi had that float on New Year's Day. It was a wonderful, wonderful event. And after it was all over, uh, the, the, the Elvis head, a couple of DJs, in Los Angeles, I think, decided to parade it around here and there, and they did. And then I think it ended up back here at some point, right. transferred back here, transported <laughs> all the way from back to Mississippi. Yep. We displayed it here. I know we displayed it at a at a mall for a while. The sunglasses that are mm-hmm. that are on there, you somehow ended up with at well, your restaurant. That's because they didn't know where after you paraded the head around the town, there was no place to park it. So I donated a parking space next door to Highland Mouse, and it sat outside next door to Highland Mouse in the weather uh, and the conditions for over a year. So I removed the sunglasses from the head and hung them in the restaurant at Highland Mouse, and they're still there all these years later. But the head began to deteriorate, and the birds started eating the seeds off of Elvis's face, and the weather began to, to take a toll on it. And then somebody came from L.A. and took it back took out it back. there, drove it back out there, and put it in some sort of public art sculpture museum where I think it resides to this day. Well, I'm glad you preserved the sunglasses. Hall of is like a museum, but that that's a piece of Mississippi history. Those you know, yeah. they were those sunglasses because that was that was uh, quite an accomplishment. I still marvel at the fact that Pat Frasconia was able to 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 get uh, Mississippi that entry in the Rose Parade, and it was a successful float. Like you said, yeah. Tammy Wynette was still alive. She rode on the float. The great legendary blues man Willie Dixon rode on the float, and he, by the way, was just a just a gentleman and just such a nice guy. I remember talking to him before daylight that morning before the parade started. We had to get there to the start of the parade probably at 4.30 in the morning. Mm. And it was cold, you know, it's uh, right. it's cool out there. And that time of the day, it was cold. But Willie and I talked for a long time, and he was such a nice man. And I was I was fortunate enough to get photos of Willie and, and Tammy, and it was just a great event. Now let's uh, let's get into your musical career. After the trombone was yeah. traded in for a guitar, when did you start performing uh, in public? Uh, early '80s, uh, about 1980. Uh, started playing bluegrass and played around Jackson for many many years with the Vernon Brothers and some other bluegrass bands, the Rounders and Animal Farm. I wish I could name all the <laughs> the different little acoustic bluegrass bands that, that I played with, but. Did that from 1980 uh, for about 30 years. And then mm-hmm. uh, the current group that I play with is Bill, Temperance, and Jeff. Uh, Jeff Perkins, our bass player, and Temperance Babcock, really, really extremely talented uh, violinist. We've been playing for about 11 years together now. So we have a trio, and that's kind of what I do now. And you've also taken to playing the piano. Yeah. Uh, I, not, I, did you always play the piano? No. No, no I... I, I Never really played the piano. That's kind of an interesting, well, interesting to me story. Maybe nobody else. But I'd uh, like to mention earlier, I was a music major at Ole Miss for two years. And, of course, as uh, as a music major, you're required to take class piano, which uh, I had a great, just a really fine instructor at Ole Miss, a guy by the name of Desmond Kincaid. And, of course, though, being a 
freshman in college. Kincaid Hall? No, I don't think okay. that's named. Just curious. Yeah, I, just I think there's a building yeah. there. He, he taught music at Ole Miss for many, many years and taught me class piano. Now, I, I learned scales, and that was about mm-hmm. it. You know, that's, I guess that's the most they can hope for, these <laughs> freshmen in college that are music major trombone players, learn a few scales and learn where middle C is. So that's about all I learned. But anyway, my mother-in-law was kind enough years and years ago. She gave, gave uh, my wife and I her old piano. It's a nice old piano her parents bought for her back in World War II. Old upright piano, French and Sons. And uh, so it sat in our living room for years and years and years. And I said, you know, I'm a musician. I ought to at least learn one song. So I did. I just found a, a uh, uh, easy piano book that had all of the songs that I loved. You know, the great American songbook kind of, you know. It's got all the old jazz songs that I played in stage band, like, you know, My Funny Valentine, Moon, mm-hmm. Moon River, all those kind of songs, old torch songs. And so I said, I'm going to learn one song. So I learned uh, uh, Elvis. Uh, oh, what, I'm drawing another blank here. <laughs> we'll get Kevin Love to me figure tender. it out for us. Love Me Tender, yeah. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, it'll come to Kevin. No, I learned Love Me Tender. So I'll say, I'm good. I can sit down and play one song. Well, that led, one song led to another. Good thing about this book I had, it was simple arrangements. I can read music, of course, and I don't sight read really well piano, but I can slug through it, you know. And uh, I just started memorizing one song after another, and then pretty soon I had a good good number of songs, and and I started playing every week at a, at a bed and breakfast in town, and one thing led to another, and it's turned into the most enjoyable thing in music I've ever done. For whatever reason, I can sit down at the piano and just feel like I'm able to express myself musically better than Better than guitar, better than trombone. I don't know about trombone. I, I started so young with that, I felt pretty good about that. But it, it's it's very rewarding for me because I feel like I'm actually playing playing music and doing okay with it. So you had this regular gig uh, at the Fairview Inn. Yeah, I play at the Fairview every Wednesday night, just kind of sit back in the corner while people are having dinner and, and play, like I say, the old songs I love. And uh so you, you have the, the trio, the acoustic... Yeah, BTJ, Bill Temperance and Jeff. We and play you, a lot. You play a lot. Yeah. And uh, you still work with the Rounders some? Oh, uh, yeah. we, we uh, Bob Pitsick is a good friend of mine, and, and he's mine. our bass player. That's right. You and Bob go way back. And uh, Barry Leach uh, usually plays with us. Uh, the master. When, yeah, the master. And Wayne Smith played years ago. Wayne's wow. moved off, and but uh, but we, kind of the joke between Bob and myself is we play a, we play once a year whether we need to or not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it, Bob plays with a, a lot of other folks and stays real busy with his music career, and we don't we just uh, we're still good friends. We just don't we both seem to stay busy with other things. Now I'm going to go back to the marching band. Uh, All right. conversation. I was curious about something. You played it in the Callaway band. That's right. You played in all state. Lions band. Right. Did you play in the band at Ole Miss? Yes, I did. I played my first two years. I, I was a music major, and I played in every band they had. I played in the marching band, the symphonic band, the jazz band, and the trombone choir. Uh, at the time, uh, Dr. Don Lewis was the trombone instructor at Ole Miss, and he was just a fine trombone player and a fine teacher. And he had just arrived there, and he 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 set to set about. Uh, trying to recruit the best trombone players around. In fact, he stole a couple of trombone players from the USM band, the fine band down there. Mm-hmm. You know, USM has had a 
fine band tradition for many, many years. And uh, Dr. Lewis, I believe, was a USM graduate, and he he knew where to he knew what cupboard to raid, and right. he raided and stole a couple of really fine trombone players from down there, and recruited a bunch of trombone players. We had a trombone choir for two years there that was just a a fine group. We had about twenty trombone players, and we played symphonic stuff, and then we would bring in a uh, a drum set, piano, and bass, and play jazz stuff. It was it was a lot of fun. But yeah, I was a music major for the first two years and played so marching you, band. You literally put on the, the uh, uniform and marched out on the football for field two years. For yeah, two years. In fact, I, what, one one of my most what, memorable. What is the name of the band? The Ole Miss the band is called the, Pride of the South. Pride yeah. of the South. Yeah. Okay. And uh, one of the one of the I don't know if you'd call it a highlight, but my fresh freshman year is a. Marching band member. It was the year that Ole Miss went down to uh, LSU Tiger Stadium, and it was the infamous slow clock game where LSU scored what in in uh, scored twice in like three seconds. I can't remember the exact details, but Ole Miss had the game in the bag until uh, the clock slowed down right uh-huh. at the end to allow LSU to score. And Baton kick. Rouge time. Yeah. And uh, that was quite an experience. We dodged a lot of whiskey bottles in the Ole Miss band that night. We really did. They, they, throw were, they were raining down on us. Wow. Yeah. But but that was an experience walking out in that well that stadium and others. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was it was fun. Did y'all do any parades? Did Ole Miss marching band go to parades back in those yeah, days? Yeah, we did. I can't remember. Nothing we memorable. Did. Nothing that really stands out. But I know we did some parades. You ever get the old trombone out? Occasionally, back a few mm-hmm. years, you know, a brass instrument is uh, to 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 stay up to speed on that. You've got to really work. Bill, it it takes time to build your embouchures. It's called your lips and mm-hmm. how you are able to make the sound of the instrument. And if you don't work at it every day, every day, every day, you lose that, and it takes a long time to build it back up. But I did um, a few years ago, and uh. And uh, I, I started playing blues, one thing I had never done. And I, and I got our, your, our mutual friend, Jesse Robinson, was kind enough one night. To, he's such a gentleman to s- invite me to sit in with him a time or two. And I did. And so now I can say I played with Jesse. You know, I, I'm sure I was terrible, but that's okay. I enjoyed it. Played the trombone with Jesse, with Jesse Robinson. Robinson. Played uh, blues with put, Jesse. Put that on your resume. There you go. Now, you're working on a project here at MPB uh, around the country music, uh, the upcoming country music documentary. And you've been involved, deeply involved in reaching out to Carl Jackson and others. I think you interviewed Emmy Lou Harris. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, That's exciting stuff. Uh, You know, Ken Burns, the great filmmaker that... uh, uh, people recognize from the Civil War documentary, jazz, baseball, Vietnam, national parks, all the wonderful documentaries he's done. Uh, the Country Music series will be out, premieres on MPB television September 15th at 7 p.m. You don't want to miss it. But uh, in the course of uh, preparing for that, uh, the folks here at MPB uh, made the decision to produce uh, an MPB uh, documentary to go along with that, a companion piece. And so we, we decided what we would do. We did two things. Number one, for one of the premieres of the Ken Burns series, we went to Philadelphia, Mississippi, and interviewed Marty Stewart and Dayton Duncan, one of the executive producers of the mm-hmm. Ken Burns piece. So I got to do that. That was really uh, incredible. Got to go and 
um, interview at, at Marty's uh, Congress of Country Music uh, facility there. I got to interview Marty and Dayton, and that's going to be a 30-minute special grassroots made for television that will air the same night, September 15th, as the first Ken Burns segment. Oh, great. So that was great. Then we also decided to focus on Mississippi country music. The producers here at MPB asked me, well, which direction do you think we should go? And I said, well, there's a guy from Louisville that's in Nashville by the name of Carl Jackson that a lot of people really don't know who he is, but he is a legend in the country music field. He's a producer, a singer, an instrumentalist, just an incredible, incredibly talented man. So I hooked him up with Carl, and Carl, in turn, uh, hooked us up with uh, a few people whose names you might recognize in the country music business, uh, Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, Emmy Lou Harris, Vince Gill, and many more. So we've been busy for the last few months interviewing those folks and Carl, uh, and that uh, documentary will, will air on MPB probably uh, after uh, the, uh, the first of the year, early months of 2020. Uh, and it promises to really be something. Well, that's great. So um, so you got to do a few of the interviews. Yeah. Uh, I know you did Emmy Lou, right? That was incredible. Yeah, did Emmy Lou. Uh, we, we and, went of course, up, Marty. And Marty. Uh, that, that, was, that was one of the most fun interviews I've ever done with Marty and Dayton Duncan because they were both so excited about this Ken Burns special. They just... I, all I had to do was throw out a couple of words, and they took off. Right. But got to go to uh, Nashville, and we actually interviewed Emmy Lou Harris at her home in Nashville. And it was just uh, she was so gracious, so kind to allow us into her home, and and then to talk to us and and give us a lot of background. That was just uh, quite an experience. Not everybody gets to do that. No, I, I felt fortunate. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. Malcolm White here with my buddy Bill Ellison. Welcome back, Billy. Thank you, Malcolm. This is kind of like sitting at Cups talking. Yeah, you know? well, which we do often. <laughs> which we do a lot. That's right. Now, we're going to go all the way back on this interview, and in our very last segment, we're going to talk about the beginning. And you were born and raised in Jackson. Yep, Jackson, Bellhaven Heights. And, and grew up in the Heights. Yep, grew up in the Heights. Lorraine Street, wonderful place to grow up in Jackson, Mississippi. And went to uh, Davis, which is now Obama Elementary, uh, over on Congress Street. Yep. And uh, my went, daughter went to school yep, there. Yep. Lots of folks went there. Eudora Welty, Richard Ford. That's right. Uh, your daughter. That's right. Uh, li- it's a wonderful, wonderful school. And went to Davis, then to Bailey Junior High in Callaway, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, had some just like I say, just a wonderful childhood there. Uh, had a paper route over in the Heights and Bellhaven. That was that was a lot of fun. Enjoyed that. And you you cut. What was your route? My route was uh, down in the Bellhaven Heights, all all Madison Street, Bellevue, uh, Morningside. Had all those apartments. They'd built Morningside Terrace apartments, mm-hmm. Bellhaven Arms, the Heritage, and I was I had a Jackson Daily News route, the, which, the evening paper, the evening paper. But of course, on Sunday morning they combined the two papers, right. the Clarion Ledger and Jackson. Was Daily. this the Green Pages? Yeah, they had some green pages. Seemed like when when did they have? I can't I don't remember know. when they had. I just wondered. But the big the big uh, advertising flyers were on Thursday. You had a big old fat paper you had uh-huh. to haul around on your bicycle on Thursday. But Sunday mornings, uh, I always remember uh, we'd get up around 
four thirty or five o'clock, fold up all the papers. Now, now where would you go get your papers? They dumped them out at your house. Okay. Clarence Ledger had a the paper company had a truck that that came around and dumped out big bundles in front of your house, and you had to go out there with some wire snippers and snip the wire off, and then get your box of rubber bands and fold up each paper individually and put a rubber band around it and put it in your big clearing ledger sack and head out to deliver. Uh-huh. Okay. But those apartments over there, that, that was an adventure for a 12, 13-year-old kid, uh, quite an adventure because you'd get up on Sunday mornings, go up there about 5.30 in the morning, just getting daylight, and you could tell when you go went in those apartments, all those young folks that lived there had really partied down the night before because a lot of times <laughs> I'd get there walking around dropping papers off. I'd look down, and all the pool furniture would be at the bottom of the swimming pool. You know? so Oldest trick a, in the book. Yep, that, 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 was, uh, that was fun for a 12-year-old. Now, but, uh, you know, you were talking about music. I wanted to, in the break, we were talking about who I wanted to talk about. Well, yeah. I wanted to tell you about my band directors, who I was lucky enough to have in Jackson Public School for band directors. And when I went to Bailey, I got in the band, and the director was Toby Tennant. Oh, God, the great Toby Remember Tennant. Toby? Knew to- him well. Worked yep. a lot of shows with him. Man, he was not only a great musician, but just a great man. And he... He got me off on the right foot and really, really nurtured a love for music. For saxophone me. man. Yep. Played clarinet and saxophone. He was a great player. Toby was my junior high band director. And then later in later years, one of one of I remember the happiest I was the afternoon that I got to go and play. By then I this was in the nineties, by this time I was playing guitar and Toby and Dan Wright, who ran Wright Music Company and was had the New Bourbon Street Jazz Society, who right. you're very who, familiar with. to this day, still play That's every right. Wednesday early yep. at Hallamouse. At same I, time you're playing piano That's at right. the Fairview Inn. It's, it's become t- quite a tradition. But after I started playing guitar on uh, later on, I, I, I was fortunate enough to get to play with the New Bourbon Street Jazz Society. Dan Wright and Toby Tennant were kind enough to invite me, and I got to play a couple of gigs with them, and Dan Wright actually asked me to be the MC, so I got to introduce them all, and that was just <laughs> so rewarding to be able to, so I got to introduce Toby Tennant at, at playing sax, but that was so cool. Well, Toby was my junior high band director, then later went to uh, Callaway and had a band director by the name of Bud Rhymes, who uh, nurtured my interest in music and motorcycles. Oh, boy. <laughs> And you're still riding my motorcycles. Parents, yeah, my, my parents probably weren't happy about that. But anyway, and the other band director at Callaway was a guy by the name of Jimmy Mullen, who's who's still around. Jimmy was a great mm-hmm. sax player. Jimmy played lots of big bands and lots of notable folks, and, and uh, he uh, he was a great band director. So, you know, growing up in Jackson uh, in music was, uh, was, uh, was very rewarding. Now you, uh, speaking of being an MC, you do a lot of MC work, master ceremony, voiceover stuff. You get to do a lot of interesting things, right? I do Be- and because of your your voice and your your and career. a lot because of you. <laughs> you've 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 allowed me to do a lot of interesting things, and uh, uh, particularly MC the uh, the Arts Commission Mississippi. Governor's Awards for Excellence in the Arts. Right. You've been kind enough to allow, ask me to do that two or three times, yeah, and yeah. you know it's just it's it's overwhelming. Kevin's done it too. Kevin's been and yep. and did uh, set the bar pretty high. I remember I thinking, well, Kevin was so smooth. I don't know if I can be that smooth, but it, it's quite an honor to get to do that. And and you know I'm humbled each time I do it, uh, just to be rubbing shoulders with those folks, uh, those 
because the times I've had uh, have uh, MC or been the MC for those those award ceremonies. I'm trying to think back who some of the people have been. Dr. Bill Ferris last right. year, I believe. Uh, Vasti Jackson, uh, J-Mo from the Allman Brothers. Yeah. Uh, just some incredible white waters, uh, just incredibly talented people. So thank you. I appreciate yeah, well, you letting me do that. But yeah, I've even seen some cool stuff. And you do a lot of voiceovers. Yeah. I, I hear your voice a lot on, on uh, public broadcasting. You know, I, I, I just dabble around. My mother told me one time, you do a lot of things. You're not real good at anything. <laughs> but you did, And she's, she was pretty much on the mark on that. The music stuff, I you know, I, I'm, I'm not real good and don't, uh, but I do. I always have thought that I have the talent for surrounding myself with people who are good, like right. my band now, Temperance Babcock and Jeff Perkins. I just kind of stay out of their way and everything goes smooth, you know. But but that's the one thing I do I, I do enjoy and think I do a pretty good job at is the the at being a DJ and and I loved I've I've loved that since the first time I ever started in radio. But yeah, I get to MC a lot of things, do a lot of voiceovers. Uh, uh, I've, I've done some interesting, in, interesting things. And there. you were in television for a while. Yeah, I did television. Oh yeah, that, I, I did television news for a couple of years at WAPT, uh, and I was a reporter. And enjoyed that. I really loved. The first ten years of my career, I did news. I did radio news and television news, and worked with some incredibly talented people there. One is Randy Bell, who was uh, man. He's, he's Randy's the best. A, an icon in uh, in broadcast journalism, and Randy taught me a lot. But, yeah, I did television a couple of years. And one thing about being back here at MPB and uh, with the foundation, uh, one thing that I'm incredibly pleased about, these folks here have allowed me to kind of get back into television here in, in the twilight of my of my uh, media career. I've done several. Uh, we did a live uh, fundraiser last summer, and then I got to be the MC of that. And I've done several fundraiser uh, uh, fundraising programs here. I'm actually getting to do another one very soon with uh, Carrie Horn. Uh, who is here at MPB, an incredibly talented woman, and she and I are going to do a fundraiser, a television fundraiser. So uh, that's real rewarding for me to be able to get back into television kind of here at the end of my career, you know, and on uh, with all the pros, I call them the A-team here at MPB, just incredibly talented folks. So you worked uh, not only at Jackson Market, but you worked in Memphis for a while. And, and in Memphis, what stations did you work WMC, on? Uh, which was I, radio. Yeah, radio. I did well. We were all at we were all there on Union Avenue with WMC TV Channel Five. We had AM uh, seventy nine and FM one hundred. I was in news and radio news, and it was uh, that was a, a great experience too. I was there for two years. Got to I'd sit in the newsroom there and. Uh, I would do the news on WMC, AM 79. It was uh, Best Country, WMC, number one country station in town at the time. This is 78 and 79. So I would sit in the newsroom. I'd do the newscast on WMC and flip a switch and go over there to uh, the album rock station, FM 100. You just move over to the next. Yeah, just flip a switch. And I was on the air over there doing news. <laughs> on, so I would uh, I would take my announcer voice down a notch, you know, for the for – the, uh, album rock fm and 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 do the news over there who are some of your favorite uh djs that you have heard over the years that you've listened to that you sort of modeled your your delivery from are there any particular ones that come yeah, to mind you know there uh if i had to pick one it would be 
somebody you and I both know well, and that would be Sergio Fernandez. Yeah, he was great. One. Sergio uh, was on WZZQ for many, many years, and of course now operates a, an advertising recording company. Has Fernandez for many years. Creative, creative services. services right next door to Hal and Mal's. And I, I, I used to listen, I, I listened to Sergio before I ever worked there at, at JDX and ZZQ. And then and now feel like he was the most creative and talented DJ I'd ever heard. He just, he had it all. He, he, you know, in, in the, in the DJ business, uh, we always sort of looked down, Kevin knows this, kind of looked down at the guys who were just time and temp, we called them time and temp jocks that really didn't have anything to say other than it's uh, 12.59 here at uh, MPB and 79 degrees outside, you know. But the guys like Sergio that could, that were able to to come up with creative ways to, to introduce the next record and could come up with... Uh, with uh, compelling uh, stories to tell, those were the guys that had the talent. We thought. Now you had a you had a a slot on ZZQ at one time, right? Well, not really. I, no. I was a news guy. You're the I, news I, guy. I did news. You I did news. You, uh, the, you weren't a DJ. Well, I, let let me tell you that story. I, I was a news guy, and I did. I got to work with Bill Fitzhugh, who did the mornings uh, for a while on ZZQ. Who's now you know pretty successful writer. Yep, and. Uh, uh, did the news uh, both mornings and afternoons on JDX and ZZQ. But I had one thing I, you know, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I, I, I had the foresight to kind of bug the program director for years at ZZ, ZZQ. I, I said, look, if you ever have somebody doesn't show up for an air shift or something, you get in a tight, I know how to do this. I can do it. And sure enough, one day he called me on a Friday afternoon and said, man, do you really think you can do this? I said, sure. And I got to do an air shift on ZZQ. He called me and said, look, this guy's not going to make it. So I got to do, and I have a photo of me sitting in the booth <laughs> at ZZQ. So I did it. You did one show. I did one show. <laughs> and the rest is history. Is history. <laughs> well, Bill, thanks for coming in. We appreciate your time on the Mississippi Arts Hour. It's been a great hour. It's been fun, Malcolm. Thank you. And we'll see you all over Mississippi, whether you're emceeing or performing live music, piano, bluegrass, whatever it is you're doing. We're looking forward to hearing and seeing you. Thanks a lot. That'll wrap it up for the Mississippi Arts Hour. We're here every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. on MPB Think Radio.